Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning. I am here. I am. Uh, I wasn't seeing things. We we are, are are a little bit late, but good morning, Nancy. Good, good morning, Shannon. I'm on my phone, so it's not the best uh, shot of me. But it's you know, I just want to commend you. We 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 got we got started a little bit late this morning because we had some technical difficulties. Those of you who watch the show know that we're um, we're using a different platform. We just have been using it for a couple of days and. Things were a little hairy, scary this morning, but Nancy, you're a, a true uh, trooper because she was the computer thing wasn't working, and so we got her on the phone, and uh, so that's awesome. Uh, last minute, and those are some serious Elkhorns behind you. I know. Can you believe that? This is my bedroom, which has Elkhorns in it. <laughs> that's that's very you, uh, very <laughs> ranchy. It's very ranchy, is what it very is. Very ranchy very ranchy. So in the best possible way. So I'm so thrilled that I'm here with you, my friend, and we got a big show for everybody today. Thrilled to be with you, be here with you too, Shannon. Well, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get this figured out so that, because uh, I know your arm is going to get tired holding your phone. Yes, it probably will. <laughs> and I'm going to be moving around a bit. So sorry. Well, I almost time. wonder if, I almost wonder, Nancy, if you should Prop it up on the dresser behind you and then stand in front of it. 
Um, wait, I have wait. a dresser right here that I can prop it up. Let's on. try it. Let's try that. Uh, now you just need to come a little closer. There we go. There we go. You're, you're, this is live, you guys. We're figuring it out live. Thank you, COVID. Uh, spectacular. Now your arm won't get so tired. And you're wearing a beautiful blouse. Thank you. I need my notes, too, though. Okay. All right. Well, if, if you drop out occasionally, then we'll know you've gone to check your notes. But let me just tell, while you're working that out, let me tell everybody, because we've got a big show for them here today. We're going to go over some news as quickly as we possibly can. Then we've got a wonderful young woman who's going to be joining us, Cassie Gonzalez, who is going to be talking with us about a really important research study that's happening here in, in California. And we're going to be encouraging caregivers to participate and tell them why they should participate. So she's going to be with us. And a little bit later on in the hour, we're scheduled to have uh, Vince Redman with us. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's going to be talking with us today about stress relieving activities that we can do with the whole family and why that's hey, really important. That which is a topic for me. Right. Isn't that the topic for all of us? Because um, I know, you know, this, I feel like in this isolation, it's been like this, that we've, we've had times where things have been okay. And then we've had times where we're like, uh oh, we got to change things. This isn't working. And I think um, the stress will catch up with you. So I really want to talk with Vince and with you and, and, and see, you know, what works, but not doing it in isolation, finding an activity that you can do with your kiddo that helps you to reduce your stress and helps your kiddo to reduce, reduce their stress. And if there are more people in the family, all the better to include them as well. And sometimes family is friends and family, right? It's your pod, right. whatever your whatever your pod is that you're moving through this COVID thing with. Because from what we hear, Nancy, we're going to be here a little while longer. That's what I hear. Um, yeah. There was big news out of New York that the Metropolitan Opera would not be resuming until 2021, yeah. which was very concerning to a lot of people. Yeah, well, we know Broadway's already said that they're not coming until, you know, and, until at least 2021, and we don't know when in 2021, like maybe right. fall of 2021. So, um, you know, we, we got to make some adjustments and make it work here. So shall we launch right into some news? Shall we do that? Yeah, let's go into some news. I'm not able to call up my news stories on the computer either. I'm having Well, I'll, I'll refresh your memory. So our first news story, um, the, the video from, we, we reported the last couple of weeks about the shooting of the 13-year-old on the autism spectrum in Salt Lake right. City. And they released the videotape. And I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it, Nancy. I'm not encouraging that people do watch it because I think it's really upsetting. And if yeah, you are at all tricked. It. And, it's, it and it's disturbing, to say the it's least. It's very disturbing. I think, though, for me, you know, in the first part of the video, basically what you guys see is three people. Um, uh, well, you know, there's the person who's wearing the body cam and there's two other police officers there, too. And what I appreciated was the amount of time they took before they approached the house. I really appreciated that that they parked, like, I, I'm not kidding you, like a half a mile away from the house so that they were talking as they were walking up about how they wanted to do a quiet approach. Mm -hmm. um, and they met with the mom who was parked, you know, way down the block and talked with her beforehand. And the things that the mom said were very disturbing and distressing and, and and I'm sure, listen, I want to be very clear. I don't think the mom did anything wrong. 
But I, but I also want to see it from the police officer's point of view that I think that they went into the situation with a heightened fear for themselves. They said it. They yeah, said it on camera. At one point, the, the police, because the mom says, listen, his grandfather was shot by the police. He's terrified of the police. He's triggered by the police. He feels like you're coming to kill him. And he, you know, has a gun. And mom says, I don't think it's real. I think it might just be a pellet gun, but yeah, I'm not way, sure. By the way, he had had a traumatic experience with his grandfather having been shot by the police recently. Right. And mom detailed that for the police and said, right. he, he's totally triggered by you. And she said, I'm very concerned. And But mom said repeatedly that he had a weapon. She didn't think it was a real gun, but she could not confirm that it wasn't right. a real gun. And the police officer, like you can see it escalates and you don't get to hear the whole conversation because she's talking to a police officer that we don't have their body cam. And, and the, so the other, the police officer with the body cam kind of comes in and out and you get to hear little snippets, but you hear clearly when the lead officer says, ma'am, I'm sorry, but based on what you've told me, I now am concerned for my safety and for the safety of my fellow officers and for the people in your building. Um, Cause she has a, another son in the building and tenants. And, and he says, mm -hmm. I need for you to stay on the street. So that's yeah. why mom was not invited in, but you know, they're approaching the house and it all goes like, like it's there's, it's a 17 minute long video. And for 15 and a half minutes of it, it's all very, you know, by the book. And then you see how it just goes horribly, horribly South. And the police officer, there's a chase. Um, they're not even sure that they're chasing the suspect. It could have been anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and he says repeatedly, stop, police, get down. All things that we know from having Emily Island that our kids, unless they're taught, right. don't they know how to respond to. Running very clearly. Yeah. And, but, but guns were drawn and, and then he shoots repeatedly and um, and the boy drops, and then you hear the police officer say, "Show me your hands! Show me your hands!" Right. Uh, after right before he shot. shot, they said, "Pull your hands out, dude! Pull your hands!" Oh, out. did they? I didn't catch that. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, but right it's repeated shots, and right. you hear you hear the boy say, "I don't feel good. Tell my mother I love her." Right, I love. Her. It's just uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. I, I, it's, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. What I love is that the chief of police in Salt Lake City this week came out and said, listen, if we can't um, safely detain a 13-year-old on the autism spectrum without shots fired, then we aren't doing our jobs. Right. And, and I just want to hug him for acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, I feel bad because I do think if you watch, I, I'm not encouraging you to watch the tape, but I think if you do watch the tape, you will understand why there is a heightened sense of fear for the police, but it's still not okay. No. It's still not okay. No. Not uh, did you feel that way too? Yeah, I did, Shannon. Um, <sighs> you know, you just, I mean, it's like everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, but you feel like they should have been able to handle this situation without resorting to deadly force. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they were aware going in of the situation that he had Asperger's. The mother did a lot of warnings for them. Yeah, but they, they were afraid they were going to die. Yeah. And that is clear. On the tape, it is clear that they, before they even approached the house, they were afraid that they were going to be shot. I, I do want to acknowledge that, mm -hmm. that that's, you know, um, 
so uh, I, we got a lot of people that are writing in and saying hello. I want to acknowledge Cecilia and Mahashwari. Hello, Michelle and Abo. Abo, we want you to know that we love you too. And I'm saying hello to Sherry from Louisville, Kentucky, where you've been having a lot of unrest there. Yes. And I'm 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 hoping safe thoughts for all of you there. Uh, I I you know I think it's impossible to draw clear parallels between what happened with this 13 year old on the autism spectrum, and some of what the Black Lives Matter um, has been saying. You know, is a problem. Um, you know, I th I think it's impossible to draw clear parallels, but I do think that um, it's very hard for us to not say that the police need more training and that they need more policing of the police. The other uh, thing and I, I wonder is why they had to shoot him so many times. He was shot multiple times. He had injuries to his shoulder, both yeah. ankles, intestines, and bladder. Yeah, they say, that there were, they say that there were 13, I believe it was 13 shots. And, so why and did you, they have to shoot that many times to... to you know, silence well, a 13-year-old with Asperger's. Yes, and I think, I think that that's part of the investigation, but I, I think they're going to tell you that, and this is what they always say, and this is even what they're saying in the Breonna Taylor cases, that, you know, well, when someone is in fear for their lives and think that they're going to be shot adrenaline, but you see, that's what we have to train for. That's yeah. what we have to train for. And we do know how to train for that. You know, FBI and CIA people are trained to understand so that they don't shoot people who are innocent. Um, right. So we can do that training. It just takes longer and, and it costs more money. Um, okay. Uh, why did they think they were going to be shot when the mother said there were no weapons? Somebody wants to know. Stacy, if you watch the video, you will see clearly that the mother did not say there were no weapons, that I know that people were reporting that, but you hear her clearly say on the video, you know, he has threatened to kill people. He has a gun. She says it. And then when they ask her repeatedly, she says, I don't think it's real. She says, but I'm not sure. And he asks so she her wasn't like, sure. oh. so we yeah, can he asked her four times. Yeah. We can say and he, the police thought that they would have harm done to them. Yes. And, and so it wasn't that she said there were no weapons. Uh, she says that she, you, it's kind of muffled, but at one point you, you know, you hear her clearly say, yes, he has said that he wants to kill so-and-so. Um, so, you know, the police have to take that very seriously. If you Google to, um, to see 13 year old with autism, you, cause they're asking, where is the video? You, you'll find it there in the Deseret news which is the Salt Lake City uh, newspaper. Um, there's a, it says YouTube link to the video and it's 17 minutes and the public can watch it. And I think it, what it does clarify is why the police were worried for themselves going in. Uh -huh. It does not clarify why shots were fired. No, I just not. want to be clear about that. Um, it, you know, so I know, I know Stacy, it was reported that she said that there were no weapons and I can understand why she later said that she said there were no weapons, but if you want, as a parent, you know, and, and watching it, so you get the perspective taking of it. She, she clearly said that he had a gun, but she clearly said, I don't think it's real. And I can understand why as a mom, she would say, I told him that he didn't have a weapon, but to a police officer, you can't take it that way. All right. We've got so many other news stories. We want to yeah, make we've sure. Got, let's Let's switch to a much nicer story. Yeah. A story. Uh, Pope, Pope Francis. 
met with a group of autistic children with autism and spectrum disorders. And he said to them that they are beautiful, unique flowers in the eyes of God. How much do we love that? I just, didn't we need to hear that today? Yeah. Uh, Thank you to the Pope for having said that. Yeah, this was a group of Austrian uh, children that um, it said that the name of the school, sun and shine means sunshine. And they had an audience at the, at the Vatican. And he said that the flowers of this house are you. God created the world with a great variety of flowers of all different colors. Each flower has a unique beauty. And each one of us is beautiful in the eyes of God who loves us. And, and somebody said, let's, let's give a big shout out for the Pope. And I agree. Let's, let's totally, uh, you know, send some messages of love to him. I think that everyone in our larger autism community that can to say, thank you. We need to hear more messages like that from people like the Pope, you know, I mean, that's incredible. This Um, This Pope has been very encouraging for Uh, groups of parents and children. He's met with many of them. And what he's hoping to encourage is having them uh, stick through parenting, through sickness, disability, poverty, and other challenges, because he knows how difficult that can be. Uh, Yeah. So I just absolutely am in love with that message. I'm kind of skipping ahead to other stories because I want to get a couple of these in and and our guest is going to be waiting and we've got two guests today. So um, there is a new report that is, it's just a preliminary report and and not enough work has been done, but I do want people to keep this in mind um, that they're saying that children who are not born at the 40 week mark mark of gestation are incrementally more likely to have an autism spectrum disorder the further away they are from that date. So if you have a scheduled C-section that's two weeks before your 40 due date, pick me, um, you might be more likely to have an autism diagnosis. If you're, if you go past term and your baby is born at 42 weeks, you would be more likely to have, according to their studies, uh, more likely to have a child on the autism spectrum. And obviously something we've known for a long time is that preemie babies are more likely to be on the autism spectrum. There wasn't an uh, asterisk though, that they didn't they really didn't reference this against birth weight. Cause I know in my case, they delivered my son two weeks early because he was a very large baby. He was already over 10 pounds. So they didn't cross reference that to see. Um, but we do know that if you have gestational diabetes, which I did, which was why my baby was so big that your child is more likely to have autism. Let's face it. If you were breathing, your child was more likely to have autism, <laughs> right? Uh, so Uh, Or at least in my case, everything that we did, we were more likely to have a child with autism. Something to look at, especially for those of you who are pregnant right now, um, you know, and sometimes we, you know, they're, they're really hip to deliver babies earlier, just something to look at. Uh, But more research needs to be done on this. But I want to get to our last story because it's a good one and something you guys have Another nice one. And something that our parents have been writing in about, right? Because this is uh, an issue. Sesame Street has a new um, episode with Julia where that talks about and helps kids to wear masks during yeah, the COVID pandemic. Very po- problematical for so many of our kids. I know for Wyatt, it's taken some getting used to. Um, he will put the mask on, but then he wants to take it off after a short amount of time. And a lot of our kids, obviously, with their sensory issues, uh, do have a problem with wearing a mask. 
So this episode is with Julia and her father and her pet bunny, Fluster, who (laughs) I know, and Fluster has a mask and they practice putting the mask on. And you can probably get this just by Googling Sesame Street video mask. Um, and I want I want to say for the the person who wrote it and said where can I get this study um, you can go to Medical Express so medicalxpress.com and they're running that story right now about the um, gestation and how many weeks you are and the likelihood um, uh, and someone else said I wish they had more Sesame Street places uh, across the country I don't know if you're meaning more places to watch it. But I do know that right now, if you go to today.com, they are they show the video. So because I know not everybody has HBO and can watch Sesame Street at this point, but you can you can get the video right now at today.com. Um, they have their parent section uh, online and you can watch the video with your child. And, and I love there's a little article about it. I love uh, them talking about this is how we introduce it to our kiddos. And one of our semi-regulars that we have on the show, Dr. Kerry Magro, weighs in and says that he had a little trouble with the mask to begin with. Uh, and like a lot of us, uh, he had to get used to it. And um, someone says they have a Sesame Street amusement park in New York, right? I don't I don't know about that. I, I know that in the Children's Museum in, is it Atlanta or in Philadelphia, they have... Uh, there's a set, there's a part of it that's Sesame street, but if there's one in New York, a park, I don't know that. So that's amazing. Uh, okay. So I, I'm sorry that we're hurrying that because we got started late, but we've got great guests today. And I want to introduce to the program, Nancy, um, Cassie Gonzalez, and she is a clinical science PhD student with the department of psychology at the university of Southern California, where she's studying with our good friend, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. So big shout out to Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. And she received her bachelor's degree from the University of California, Berkeley, where she studied psychology and public health. And her research focuses on understanding why some individuals with autism spectrum disorder receive lower quality supports than others and investigating ways to reduce these inequities. Cassie, don't we love that topic? And we're so glad to welcome you to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. And I have her audio, do you? Yes, oh. I have her audio. I've got her. You can't hear her, Nancy? No. Oh, sorry. Well, hang on for a second, because I've, I've got your audio, Cassie. Okay, welcome. you keep going then, Shannon. Thank you. So, Cassie, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we're, we're delighted to have you. You have a, a study that you're participating in right now, and you would like for all of our California families to participate in that. So, first of all, let's talk about what the study is and, and what that's about. Yeah, so the study that we're calling the Autism Services Study is the what we're looking at is IEPs of um, kids across California. And what we want to see is exactly what is going wrong with these IEPs for which kind of students and families. Because we know that there's an uneven playing field, especially for um, families that are racial minorities and people with less financial resources. So we really want to make sure we understand what it looks like in schools. Right. And we've already got a parent writing in saying, that's my son. It's lack of money, good insurance, and lack of knowing what to ask for. And I know that Cassie and I had a conversation the other day 
Uh, it sounds like somebody's typing. Is are one of you typing? I don't. Traven, look at what that is. I don't know what that is. But in any case, um, uh, we talked about this the other day. That it's so like uh, a mis- a mystery the IEP process about what other people are getting. And if you don't know what to ask for, did you miss the boat? And so I love that this study is going to shed some light on what people are getting. And more importantly, who isn't getting the services that they need? Because we know that there's an underserved population, populations, and you're going to shed some light on that with any luck. So um, what, what do you hope that you're gonna be able to do with the findings that you find from this study, Cassie? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So we, um, the information we're getting from this study, we wanna make sure that it's actually helping families back. So what we're hoping for is that this information will be used to make targeted change for the families who need it most. And so with this information, we can talk to school districts, we can talk public policy, we can talk trainings for parents and families to teach them what they're missing in the IEP process. There's a lot of um, different things we can do, but and that'll really depend on what we find and what we see is the biggest need. Yes, I, I, I can't say enough. You know, Nancy and I have experienced this in life. We'll see something. We see a need and we see a population that isn't getting what they're supposed to get. But when you try to go to the level where you want to change stuff, they'll say, where's your data? Mm-hmm. Where's your data? And if you have the data, like it's more possible that if you got data and people who have a mission and a passion, that's when stuff starts to change. So we're thrilled that you're doing this. And we want to encourage all families in California to participate. And if you're not in California and you're like, well, you know, I'd like to be participating in this. Cassie's got something for you too. So tell them what they would need to do, Cassie. Yeah, so what I will do is I there is a form you can fill out and you can give your name and contact information. And regardless if you're in California or not, we can call you up, see if you want to be put on a contact list, and we'll contact you in the future for other studies you might be qualified to participate in. Um, we have a lot of studies coming up. We're very excited about them. And so we'll need a lot of people, a lot of families um, from a lot of different places. So please um, let us know, and um, we'll, we'll contact you as we keep going. Okay. So first things first, you got to register and say that you're interested. And in, while you're registering, it's going to put you in some different categories um, so that if you're able to be in this study, you'll get, they'll, they'll contact you with further information. If you aren't qualified to be in this study, then they'll connect you with other studies that you, because we've got people saying, bring it here. We need it yeah. here. Uh, okay. So where do they have to go to, to fill that out? Um, so I will, um, I don't have a website like link that I can say out loud. It's a link that I can send and maybe we could post. Um, I will, I can also link you all the ways to do that. I'm not sure if, I'm sure you have ways that you can post these things, but, um, we'll, we'll have a website up and running, um, that's kind of shorter and nicer that, um, but for now I can maybe send and post a link if that's possible. Okay. Yeah. So what we will do, everybody who's watching, uh, we will post that link in our Facebook comments. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to need to go to Facebook after the fact uh, and look and we'll have it posted in the comments. We should note that by participating in this study, you're not only helping potentially your child, but you're potentially helping a lot of people. This is how change happens. If you've ever sat in your living room and said, well, if I was doing this, we would do it this way, but nobody's asking me. Let me just tell you, they're asking you now. 
and you need to step up to that opportunity. But that's a, a little bit of a time commitment. How long do you think it will take it will, if they qualify for the study? How, how much time will they invest? So I, I would say so far, it's been maybe like a half hour total time. So you're going to have to, you know, dig out the IEP and send it over to us and fill out um, four short forms for us. Um, but while it is a time commitment, like Shannon was saying, this is, you know, it's an investment in like future generations and helping other families. And, you know, it's if you're frustrated, like I hear parents are all the time, this is something you can do to um, make a change. Okay, so our Facebook page, you guys, is Autism Live. So if you go facebook.com slash Autism Live, you'll be able to find us uh, because you might be watching us on one of the other places that we stream, but it will be posted there on Autism Live Facebook. So uh, I do want to point out, though, that not only are you making a difference in helping other people while you're doing this, there is a little bit of a reinforcer for the parents for participating. Um, so what what is the, the reinforcer for them again? Yeah, so once you, thank you for reminding me, it's pretty critical. Um, so that once you send in your IP and the forms, we'll send you a $10 Amazon gift card to thank you for your time. Okay, a $10 Amazon gift card. Uh, so that's a pretty amazing thing. And it's not that you're entered to win that. Everybody who actually qualifies and does the work that you, like you have to send in your IEP. I want to stress that you can, I encourage you to sit down with your IEP, make a copy of it and take your magic marker and go through and take out every time that it actually says your child's name. But I do need to tell you that Cassie and her team are, are I'll let her tell you about all of their HIPAA things. But the, if you don't do it, they will do that for you. So they're asking, Cassie's last name is Gonzalez. Um, but Cassie, tell them about how you protect their private information. Sure. So um, we are um, kind of watched over by HIPAA, which is the same law that protects your privacy in the doctor's office. So when you send in the IEP, we'll ask that you try to remove any personal information, signatures, names, addresses. But as soon as you send it in, me or a member of my research team will go over it immediately after and make sure all of that's removed. So we ask you to do it mostly for your own peace of mind, but then we're going to make sure that all of that is totally removed. And then once that's done, we're going to give it a number. So your name's not even going to be on it after that point. Okay. So uh, really remarkable. Um, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I think that this is super important. I'm going to be reminding you guys about this because this study is going on for a little while. When do you think you're going to be done? Um, we are hoping to be done um, by the end of the year. So we'll be collecting um, people for as long as that happens. But, you know, keep on contacting us. But the sooner the better. Okay. So Cassie, I just, I, I know I was able to say this to you a little bit before, but we, we love it when people like yourself join and, and come into the autism community. Nancy and I have said before, we, we were drafted into here. We, it wasn't necessarily, we didn't go, I know, why don't I spend my life working in the autism community? We, we got drafted. But I always love to ask young people like you who have such a passion, why? Why did you decide to donate your time to autism and make this your life? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think for me, it does start with me growing up with a close family member um, who has autism. But that's really not the end of it for me. By being part of that community my whole life, I've seen 
Um, I've interacted with a lot of people and a lot of families with different walks of life. And I just, I just keep getting hit over the head with how great services can be, supports can be, but also how hard it is for people to get those services and how unfair it is really. And so I think it's really just been that continual seeing um, how great supports can be and how hard they are to get. That's really pushed me to make a career out of this and to research this so I can actually make change. Well, we're excited to know you, Cassie, and we can't wait to hear what happens. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, send us that link. We'll get it put in the, the chat. And I also should say that um, you can also send an email if you can't find the link. You can contact us at um, autismfs.lab at gmail.com. So that's our email, and we can help you out from there if you send us a message. Oh, great. Can you say that again? Yeah. So it's autismfs. S, so for family support, autism FS period lab, L-A-B at gmail.com. Fantastic. Cassie, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We really appreciate your work and give our love to Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. Will do. Thank you so much for having me. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. And Nancy, I'm so sorry that you couldn't hear her, but uh, hopefully you got the gist. I got the gist of it, Shannon. Okay. I don't know if we'll be able to hear Ben. We can try it. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely try that. And and we're having some sound issues when I talk. And I right. Nancy, can you see if you can turn down your speaker? Yeah. Um, because I don't know if that's it. There are things we like about this new platform and things we don't. I don't think uh, that. Okay. Is that any better, Traven? I don't think so. Uh, all right. So we're, I, I believe that Vince is here with us joining us. Am I correct? I have no idea, but let me tell you a little bit about, um, yeah. So it seems like Vince is there. So, uh, Vince is a licensed marriage family therapist. He works with the center for autism and related disorders and has worked extensively with individuals on the autism spectrum. And if we're able to get his camera started, we can be talking with Vince about stress. stress. There's Vince. Hello. <clears throat> can you see me? We cannot see you. I can't see you anyway. I can hear you, but I can't see you. You seem to be having technical difficulties. <laughs> we are. But I love that you can hear him, Nancy. That's great. I can hear the ben camera's on. It says it's on. I see a little person there, but not a like a you know a drawing. I don't see you. Huh? huh. I don't know either. Let me call uh, topic for today, since we're having stress. I can call yes. right back. Let me call right back. All right. Uh, are are you calling or connecting? Because we don't. We need to do. But so Nancy, let's talk about what are you what are you personally doing, either with Wyatt or without Wyatt, to reduce stress? Well. I happen to be very fortunate because Wyatt has an aide here with him. Um, we have full-time aides that work with him. And so for school, for Zoom, he has somebody sitting with him. I don't think I could do it, Shannon. I, my hat is off to the parents that are sitting every day with their kids and doing online school. It's not easy. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, no, I think I think the vast majority of our students can't do it by themselves. Right. And the fact right. That, that school is acting like they should be able to is crazy. Right. So I'd crazy. like to hear if there are any parents out there that are doing online school with their kids, what they're doing 
to relieve the stress of that situation because I think it is very stressful. I know that Wyatt takes frequent breaks and luckily the school provides breaks, but with the breaks, we try to do physical activity, like go out and shoot some basketball, uh, get on a stationary bike, um, you know, he paints, do things that take him away from the stress of having the constant school. Yeah. Hey, there's Vince. Vince, we can see you now. Now let's see if we can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Nancy, can you hear him? I can't hear him now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, me try let me try one more thing. I can see if I, I can heard change. I before, but not now. Let I know. This is ironic. Uh, well, can you hear him now, Nancy? No, I can't. Oh, that's such a bummer. Uh, we had that problem with our last guest too, Vince. Um, and it's because I think it's because Nancy's on her phone. So whatever you were on before was interfacing with her, but not with your camera. Right. But in any case, um, I, I, Nancy, unfortunately, I'm going to translate for you. So Vince, we were talking a little bit about stress today and how we can be doing activities that reduce stress together with our kiddo. Uh, and I know you're hearing a lot from people, parents who are having a lot of stress. Talk to us about what you recommend. Lots of stress, right? And in kind of dovetailing what you guys were just talking about in regards to with the pandemic and being at home and having to be, you know, mom, dad, teacher, guardian, therapist, you know, parent, worker, you know, so forth and so on, right? I mean, it's the stress level is incredibly high. So there's lots of different things. Now, obviously, everybody's stress is a little bit different, right? Everyone's dynamics different, the kids stress, family stress, even the couple stress, right, is different. So we need to make sure that we're aware that everyone's stress is different in the family, right? What the child is experiencing is different than what the parents experiencing. But once we're aware that everyone is feeling different anxieties and different stressors, there's many different things that we can do. One of the things for the individual stress of the child, Nancy had, you know, perfect, you know, example of what she does with Wyatt, go outside, play, ride a bike, um, you know, get physical activity. We, I cannot understress or overstress more about physical activity, going for walks, going for runs, going outside, just being in the sun and the air is remarkably lifting for everyone's emotions, right? Now that, you know, there is no, you know, we, we can go back outside, which I know back in April and May, we really weren't supposed to, but now that we can, we need to make sure we're doing more of that. And that's from mom and dad down to the kids, right? Taking a walk as a family or taking a walk individually, or, you know, maybe walking, you know, from a far distance of a parking lot to a store, right? You know, anything that we can do to expose ourselves more outside would be my first stress reducer that we can do, or at least building it into our daily schedule so that we get a little bit more respite that way. Does that make sense? Totally does. I just want to, I want to make sure that I acknowledge that this experience is, as you said, different for absolutely everyone. And I know that while a lot of people are able to get out and go for walks, I know in our neighborhood, we had to stop um, because we have a lot of people who are out on the streets and they're not wearing masks and they are not adhering to social distancing. We were even taking our dog with us because our dog is crazy and will bite anybody who gets within 10 feet of us. And people, it, it became an issue, a safety issue. People were coming up 
and, and to us and getting way too close and the dog was coming close to biting them. So we had to stop that. And I don't, and I know there are some of you that are watching that are in cities who have told me the same thing that, you know, we're, and we're not going to stores. So I, I do think that the getting outside thing is super important if you can, but I think the physical thing is even more important. And in our case, I, I, we invested in a treadmill a good treadmill. I, I just sort of was thinking about like all the money we would have spent on movie tickets and concerts and things that we would have gone to during the summer. And I was like, okay, we're going to invest that in a treadmill. And we all we put it in the middle of the living room and we take turns being on it. We talk to each other while we're on it. It's social time on the right. treadmill. And that and, and it has made such a difference for all of us in our family. Right, right. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. Absolutely. And again, all of this is adaptive, right? Everyone, as we're saying, you know, neighborhoods are different, locations are different. Eating outside in the patio, having dinner outside on your patio, sitting outside in your backyard, sitting outside or in front in your in your patio, obviously, however your house is designed, um, right? That too is, is just as healthy. You're outside, you're getting fresh air, you're socializing, or you're getting quiet, independent time while you're outside. Right, all of these suggestions, like Shannon had pointed out, adapt to your need. Don't use it though as an excuse to just stay inside, if that makes sense. Right, adapt to make it successful, not discredit it so that we can continue to stay inside. Because staying inside is actually not helping because you're you're not getting enough sun, you're not getting enough fresh air, you're not getting enough, um, you know, just connectivity to all your senses like you get when you're in when you're outdoors keeping active going back to shannon's point keeping active your treadmill walking around sitting on yoga balls uh you know making sure that you know if you if you can do you know any physical activity outside even if it's in your own backyard right do it take laps in your backyard put an ipod on take laps in the backyard Go outside and, and talk and walk around with your significant other or with your kids. Go outside, play games, kick a ball around, throw throw a ball around, um, do obstacle courses, go sit in a, a wake pool, right? There's lots of different things, but making sure we schedule it, I think, is important, right? We are so busy with school and work and schedules and Zoom and this and that, right? We need to schedule it as an appointment in our very busy schedule to make sure that we adhere to it on a daily basis, right? So it'd be, I'm gonna work out at this time, I'm gonna go outside at this time, we're gonna have meal outside, whatever it may be, right? Make sure it's a permanent part of your daily schedule. Yeah, I love, I love Tiffany Haddish. I don't know if you guys love Tiffany Haddish, but I love her. And I, I, she's been doing these really fun videos uh, and stuff on, I don't know whether it's on her Instagram or whatever, but uh, I just see it in my news feed. But she went out and didn't have a pool in her backyard. She's been doing all these at-home projects, but she bought a kiddie pool, blew it up, and put it in her backyard and got a mermaid outfit and went in the kiddie pool and was having a good time. And I thought, you know, I mean, you know, not everybody has a pool, but, you you know, you can do something. You can do something, whether it's that you take the hose and, and run it over the kids. That's what we did when I was a kid. We didn't we have did, we did it now. We didn't even have a sprinkler. <laughs> and it was daughter now bought a she, you know, she's 22 years old and bought just a little blow-up pool, put it in the patio and just sat in it and listened to the radio. And guess who jumped in? 
My yeah. wife jumped out and jumped in. It was like, of course. you know, it was something very silly, but yet extremely important. Listen, if it's good enough for Tiffany Haddish, it's good enough for all of us. Absolutely. I just adore her. Uh, okay, so, you know, if you can get outside, but you, but either if you can get outside or you can't get outside, that physical component, I think, is really, really important. Uh, what else you got in your bag of tricks for us, Vince? Remember that our lives are broken into one of the things when I was thinking about this topic, I, 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 I'm a very visual person. So I was thinking, think of your life in three different buckets, right? We have our individual bucket. We have our couple bucket if we're married and in a relationship or in a relationship. And then we have our family bucket, right? All three of our buckets need to be tended to on a daily basis. We as family and parents tend to put more into the family bucket than any other bucket but we're sacrificing the couple bucket as well as our individual bucket. So when you think of your life, you think of your day, you think of how much resource we're giving to the family. Let's not forget how much resource we need to give to the couple and how much recess we, or, or, or access and resource do we need to give to ourselves individually. We need downtime. We need time to just decompress and process. The couple needs time to just be alone and communicate in process. And then of course the family needs time to be together to communicate, process, and be able to, you know, to, to share experiences and memories. So when you're thinking of that, think of how do I relate and relieve stress for myself, for my relationship, and for my family, not just family. I think sometimes that's our that's our pitfall is we we only focus on one and not all two or three. Oh boy, I, I really think that's important, Vince. Um, I know that a lot of people, it, it's a story, I think it's a tale of two cities, right? But they both are related that there are some people that are working during COVID and it feels like work has become more, that those of us who are working are working more hours. And it's been hard to balance even family with that, let alone doing something for yourself or doing something for your relationship. But then on the flip side, I have friends who aren't working, but their constant concern is keeping financial things on an even keel, which is as much stress as the working. That that seems to be a big bucket in COVID. How do I keep everything going, uh, either career-wise or, or you know, job-wise or finance-wise, and that even balancing that stress with family and with individual and with couple is hard. Um, anything you want to say about that, about how we balance work? I'm not doing a good job with this. Well, and let's think about that, right? So, so obviously when we're working with work, right, that's our individual bucket because it's not involving the couple nor the family. So we look at the individual, look at our day, let's break up our day. Where is some time to take that walk? Even if it's around the office, if you're in an empty office or you're in an office that doesn't have a lot of people, with mask on, with mask off, that, that depends on the situation, of course, right? Find time to break off from work. Find time to actually utilize your breaks. I am the worst at this. I will be the first to admit. Shannon knows. She sees me eating during our meetings. Shannon, yeah. we both did yesterday, right? Yeah. We don't give ourselves those breaks. So I think if you're struggling, you have to back up and look at utilizing those breaks. They're there for you. Make sure you take them. Make sure you shut off. Make sure you turn off. Stay away. Walk away from your desk if you're if you're going to be distracted. 
you know, go do something, go sit in the, 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 a different office or a different room or a lounge or outside or on a patio, wherever you're working, right? Stick, move away from your work, distance yourself from it. It is yeah. too hard to do that when it's right here, right? Distance yourself from it. That will help you because then you'll get those mental breaks. You will get that refresh. You will get some of that joy and entertainment by doing something else, either be socializing with someone else, maybe just listening to music, maybe eating, you know, uh, fiddling around on social media, whatever it is, right? So make sure you schedule your that those breaks, that lunchtime, just as you do with your colleague meetings, just as you do with your work task meetings, right? Make sure you utilize them. So when you feel yourself struggling, you have control of this. You can utilize your breaks and your lunch as a way to break away from, from work. And I think I speak for many of us, everyone, you know, many that are watching that that's hard to do when we have deadlines, we have responsibilities, we have things we need to do. But if we feel ourselves struggling, that's your first step is make sure that you, you prioritize those breaks just as high as you would a task. Yeah, but then there's the other side of it. And Nancy, maybe you can speak to this because, you know, there's when because you're not working during covid and it's i know it's stressful for you and and trying to like you know like i think i know a lot of friends that are like oh gosh should i be looking for something to you know else to do can i you know there are friends who are just not able to fully enjoy it because they feel a pressure to be doing more um and wondering how long this will continue um how are you managing that stress nancy uh, it's difficult, Shannon. Um, I'm not managing it all that well. Um, I've been looking for work, and it's difficult in this time to find jobs and difficult to balance all of that. Um, and, you know, after being quarantined now for, what, six months, I'm getting yeah. a little stir-crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people. I think we all have this, everybody looks at the other side and thinks it's so idyllic, right? My friends who aren't working, look at those of us who are working, they're like, oh, that must be so nice because you're working from home and you still have your income, right. but you're getting all this free time and it's stressful for us. And we're looking at our friends who aren't working and thinking, man, what I wouldn't do. I keep saying to everybody, I can't wait for COVID to be over so I can take a vacation. Right. <laughs> right. But it's not a vacation for my friends who aren't working. There's nothing remotely like a vacation going on no, for anybody. Not. I can attest to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So back to, you know, things that we can. So we've got our three buckets there, Vince. And I really, you know, I'm, I'm loving some of the things that I'm seeing parents do like one of our colleagues, Cecilia Knight, um, she has uh, enforced family fun time every day. And, and I wasn't doing that. And because I saw her doing it, I was like, okay. And on our visual schedule, which, you know, I'm always saying make a visual schedule. It took me a while to get around to it. But on our visual schedule, I blocked off time that from 5.30 to 8 o'clock every night, that is family time. My son doesn't get to plan anything else then. My husband doesn't get to plan anything. I don't get to plan anything. And we find something fun to do during that time. And I'm fascinated by seeing what other families do. Like a lot of Cecilia's family, a lot of what they seem to do is a lot of, uh, it's like boot camp. It was, at least that's the way it looks like on Facebook. 
but they're doing a lot of exercising together, which I think is great. We do a little bit of treadmill time, uh, but a lot of families are doing other things. What are, what are you doing with your family, Vince, that's fun? Game time, right? That's a great time to sit down and do, you know, to play games that we don't typically play with each other, right? I mean, I have played more games over the last six months than probably the last six years, right? So, you know, pull out your old board games, pull out your old card games. You know, we were playing, you know, I, you know, playing all different kinds of card, you know, card games I didn't even know existed, you know? It, okay, it, well, I gotta it, know, because you know I'm making the toy guide right now. What's your favorite game? Oh, well, we were playing, you know, the classics King in the Corner and Go Fish and Poker and Blackjack. But then, you know, uh, uh, it, it actually, in invigorated my daughters and my wife to where they were out seeking games oh okay to do new games to bring new games home so i think that's extremely important because it does cut the tie you know to our technology it does keep us away from our individual technology now i do want to to kind of pin that real quick because things like let's dance and band hero and you know some of the video games that you do as a group as a family are also extremely fun Right. Yeah, we like Mario Kart. We were playing Uno last we night when played, I was talking. Yes, we play Uno all the time. Mm -hmm. Wyatt likes Uno. He likes apples to apples. Um, yep. And last night, we had our family time by playing games, and then we went on a long bike ride, which Perfect. was That's great. great. That's great. So we're yeah. like you, Shannon. We try to do something after the school day is over, after therapy is over. We try to mm -hmm. do something fun. Uh, before dinner. Yeah. Right. And I think meal times have now become more important again. I think we could all, you know, uh, go back and forth in regards to um, how important meal times have kind of faded away as as we've gotten more busy and life has gotten more busy and you know things have gotten a little chaotic. What it, what I seen what I've seen over the last six months is the importance of that meal time again, that family time at night, having everybody in the same home again, right? You don't have everybody going fifty thousand places because everyone was kind of you know sheltered back in one place, and that became very. It was kind of weird at the. I don't know about you ladies, but it was kind of weird at first. Like all of us at home at the same time having a meal. It was so we were so used to, you know, it being all different variation, one to two to three to four. But now you see the, the importance of how that helps our communication, talking about our day, talking about our tomorrows, talking about our highs and lows. You know, I love doing the, what's your three highs, what's your three lows of the day, right? Or, or you know, what was the best thing of your day, right? You know, those types of things. So that when we're talking about it, we're, we're connecting. We're connecting again. We're we're making sure that we're involved with one another, and we'll, uh, you know it, it kind of gives some of that social connectivity that we've been missing through the day by doing everything you know electronically. And I just want to throw out there for families that have kiddos that are, you know, early in intervention or nonverbal, and sometimes you'll hear something like you know saying three highs and three lows at the dinner table, and you go, "That's not my life." I want to point out, though, that modeling the behavior is how you get there, that um, you always want to be working on functional communication with our kiddos. And even if your child isn't able to do that right now, going around the table and, and modeling the behavior for them and mom says, OK, so here were my three highs and here were my three lows. And you may think to yourself, I don't even, I don't even know how much my child is getting. 
there are so many parents that I know that are that talk to their children later on, and your child will remember things that you think there's no way they I they, I didn't think they understood language at that point. There are my my son said something last week that just threw me off completely, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And it was something that I had told him when he was absolutely nonverbal, and I thought that he couldn't retain information. And wow. he was like, oh, no, mom, I heard everything you were saying. Right. So I, don't tell, tell yourself short. You know, do something at the table, model the behavior, encourage them to do any approximation, even if they say, you know, one sound or click one icon, um, you know, celebrate that because that's how you build language. I'm sorry, Vince, what were you saying? Observational learning, absolutely, right? Yeah. Our kids are listening, our kids are seeing, our kids are participating when they're looking at you, when they're listening to you, absolutely. That's a very great point that you brought up because you don't, we want to include them as best as we can because they are listening, they are inputting. They are paying attention to what we're doing. And so that's why we model the appropriate language. We model the appropriate behavior and we try to get them to participate the best way they can. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately that's all the time we have. Um, but Vince, I want to thank you so much for being here and talking with us about stress reducing. We're going to figure out whatever our technical problem is. I don't know what went wrong. This was working fine yesterday, so I don't know what went wrong, but we're going to figure it out and figure out so Nancy doesn't have to be on her phone, but thank you both for being here. Um, and, uh, we will be back on Monday, you guys with great shows. You're not going to want to miss that until then. Give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Yes. Bye-bye for now. Have a good weekend, everybody. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.